Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Where did he teach? In the synagogues. In the synagogues. He traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. He traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogues. That's their version of church. Matthew 9. That was Matthew 4. This is Matthew 9, starting at verse 35. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues hmm. and announcing the good news about the kingdom. That feels like a direct cut and paste from chapter 4, doesn't it? It's almost word for word. He traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Question, has much changed since then? Are the crowds still helpless and confused? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Did he have anger on them for being confused? Nope. That's interesting. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus called. There's no chapter breaks in the real Bible, right? Those are there for our benefit. So I'm just keep reading. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. He says, you should ask for more workers. I'm going to commission you as more workers immediately in the next verse. How's that? Pray for the answer while actually like living out the answer to your own prayer. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Send someone, Lord. Yeah, okay, fine. I hear you loud and clear. I'm going. <laughs> Where did he preach and teach and heal? Funny, right? Huh. So that was Matthew 4, Matthew 9. Now we're in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly... A man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit. What? Yo, what? What kind of members you got up in here? I was preaching in India. I started preaching on the humility of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself, humbled himself, took on the form of a servant. I'm preaching on that stuff. And all of a sudden, this dude starts frothing and going on the ground and shaking and gyrating. And I go, what the heck is happening up in here? I, I, I say to the pastor who's translating, what the heck? 
Uh, that's probably not my exact words. It was a lot of years ago. And he says, ah, oh, no big deal. He's got a demon. I said, well, shouldn't we deal with that? He goes, just keep preaching. It's good. I said, we just had a fellowship meal for like two hours. We had a fellowship meal with a demon in church. <laughs> and then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, what did, what all, it, it didn't mind the, it didn't mind the food. Didn't mind the fellowship. Didn't mind the singing. Didn't mind the singing. But when I started talking about the humility of Jesus, when I started talking about the humility of Jesus, it went nuts. It couldn't stand to hear about Jesus. Didn't mind the singing. Didn't mind the food. That, that sort of annoyed me. I was like, that shouldn't be allowed. That guy shouldn't have been allowed in. There should be like, you know, people who are like, no, you can't take that through customs. Get that. Get, nope. No weird fruit. Get that out of here. We're not taking that through. You know? So I'm sure they prayed for him at the end. I don't even remember the details anymore. We just kind of got used to seeing that kind of stuff. But okay. But I'm just saying, this is not the craziest thing. I remember Maddie Rowan one time told me that somebody who used to sit in the back used to bring a little green critter with him. And then it was about yay high. And I said, Maddie, why are you telling me this? Well, you're the preacher. I said, if you see it, you've got authority to deal with it. I don't see it. I can't be held accountable for something like that. I don't even have that gift. You know what the thing with the prophets? Deal with it. You, come on. Prophets are known on earth for what they say. Prophets are known in heaven for what they don't say. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering? <laughs> so crazy. The demon didn't mind him going to church. It just minded when Jesus came to church and screwed it up. Oh my goodness, there's a whole truth in there. You know? Go to church, make yourself righteous. Just you sit there and every every pass every verse you read, you'll use it to judge someone. <laughs> oh, so and so needs to be hearing this sermon. <laughs> the demon's like feeding that kind of crap right in his ear. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, this whole sermon's not for it's for them. Ah, that jerk. He should know all this. You ever had one of those days where that's all you're thinking when you're hearing a sermon? You're not like receiving the word of the Lord. It's all about accusation on others. Demons coming to church. Anyway, stop meddling, Tim. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Oh, that's a good word. You ever had these people tell you that they have to interview demons to figure out what their name is and what their assignment is and how many of them there are and how they got? Why are you interviewing liars? They're liars. Just tell them to just do what Jesus said. Shut up. Come out. I want to talk to, I want to, like say the guy, actual guy's name is Bob. I want to talk to Bob. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Bob. What did you do? Bob, how did this happen? Right? Shut him up. Shut him down, then talk to Bob and figure out what he did and get him to repent and then close the doors. You'll be all right. You know, otherwise you can cast him out and then Bob won't change and then they'll come back with extra friends. That's happened before. I mean, in my life. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man. And at that, the evil spirit screamed. (laughs) That's just fun. And threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, especially the youth group. Okay, fine, I added that. And they began to discuss what had happened. Listen to their questions. What kind of teaching is this? (laughs) Like, they call that a teaching. (laughs) Since when is that a teaching? (laughs) Okay. 
What kind of teaching is this? It's a new kind of teaching, they asked excitedly. He has such authority. Even evil spirits obey him. So the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Where did it happen, guys? You ever heard the people say, I've heard the people say this. It's real easy to get miracles out in the streets. It's real hard to get miracles in church. Where does Jesus go first? To heal and to exercise and to proclaim. This was my little conversation with God today. He said to me, Jesus said to me, you know I prioritized healings and ministry at synagogue, right? And I was like, you did. And then I wrote, why? And we haven't gotten further yet. That's as far as we got. I just researched his answer, his, his statement, and he's like, you're, you, you're right. You did. I see that now. Huh. Here's my first guess. He really, really, really wants his people whole. He really wants his people whole. I mean, how much sense does it make for us to have our lives in tatters and our hearts shattered and like a very powerless version of the gospel, but we're supposed to be his hands and feet? Now, I'm not saying we don't go through hard stuff. That's not my point. I'm saying... There's supposed to be some testimonies of the goodness of the Lord in our lives, you know, yep. so that when we have <laughs> we have some good news, you know, one of these days, the Lord's going to show up one of these days. What? Instead of come here, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did or I was blind and now I can see or I can use my hand. Mark chapter one. Uh, he just came out of prayer. It's real early in the morning. He comes out of prayer. The disciples were looking for him, but he snuck off to be alone to pray, which is another cool truth with Jesus. But Jesus replied, as soon as he gets back from praying, they finally found him. Everyone's looking for you. Yeah, we got to go. We have to go to the other towns so I can preach to them too. That's why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons in the synagogues. Apparently, it's normal. We've got a lot of sick people in church and a lot of people who, are, who have afflictions. Evil spirits trying to sit on our shoulders and attach to our wounds and lie, just whisper crap to, our, to us. Sometimes it's genuine, born-again saints who are faithful and persevering. But the evil one's been sitting on them for 18 years. We'll get to one of those like that. Mark chapter 3 now. We were just in Mark chapter 1. Now we're in Mark chapter 3. Jesus went into the synagogue again, and he noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, his enemies were watching him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned on accusing him of working on the Sabbath. That's how religion works, by the way. If you do what Jesus would do, then they take the words of Jesus twisted to accuse you of wrongdoing. If pleasing people is your goal, you can't please God. That's just true. So Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Well, that's just what someone with a deformed hand wants to do, not. Imagine if he was in middle school. That would have been the worst ever. It's like, oh, no, I have a freckle. I'm ugly. I'm like, what? Stop. Just come and stand in front of everyone. Then he, then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? 
Or is it just a day for doing evil? That's an interesting question. You can't work on the Sabbath. So that means we can't do good works on the Sabbath. So only evil's allowed then. And they're like, wait a minute, what? What are you saying? He's just being funny with them, isn't he? Jesus doesn't act like the stereotype of what people think Jesus acted like. Instead of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, it's radical Jesus, mean, yeah, and, that's mean, what I was mean and wild. Not meek and mild, mean and wild. Okay. He was just a straight up outlaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Straight up outlaw. So confrontational. Yeah, that, that, that like one, the one time the Lord said that to me, I said, I hate conflict. And, and uh, see, which person of the Trinity said this? Well, I don't know. I think it was the father. He said, we don't. And I said, what? Oh, no. He said, that's where all the transformation happens. Conflict. We like conflict. And I'm like, what? And he says, Tim, I'm going to make you so confrontational that people in your church have to either change or get out. Actually, no. He said, get healthy or get out. People in your life, not your church, your life have to either get healthy or get out. That doesn't sound fun. Nope. Nope. Not if pain avoidance is your Lord, but if Jesus is Lord, it's a great time. But if pain avoidance is your Lord, no, you're going to feel all sorts of frustrated. So he asked them the question, they wouldn't answer. So he looked around the room, angrily, deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod, to plot how to kill Jesus. That's the first miracle that Dennis Yatuza saw too. And he was working as a, as a cook at a restaurant, an evangelist that was doing meetings at a local church, came in and said, uh, I need you to come to this church. I'm having services all week long at this church. I need you to come. And he's like, nah, I'm working, I'm working. And he's like, when do you get off? I get off this time. We'll be, still be there. Ah, I'll be in my clothes. I'll be all stinky. No, come. I want you to be there. You're supposed to be there. And Dennis is like, Somehow he agreed to come. But he's thinking, I don't mean it. I'm bl- he's blowing the guy off. But then he gets off work, and he suddenly says, I got to go. So he goes, he goes in the back. They're still having a meeting. The dude calls him up to the front. Did I just tell you all this story recently? The guy, he, he tries to get into the back. The guy recognizes him and goes, you, come up here. He makes him sit in the front row. And Dennis is not church broke at this point. Like, all he knows is that this is all bull crap. And he does not really know why he's here. And the guy's praying for people, and it's all stuff you can't tell. Praying for diabetes. Well, you can't see diabetes healed. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like when, when people claim the, the, the leg grew out or something. It's like, you might have just had a chiropractic adjustment. That ain't a bone growing. Like, you can fool the eye and you can, all that kind of stuff, you know? Oh, you claim your headache feels better. Y'all, whatever, dude. I can't see it. Can't taste it. Can't touch it. Can't scientifically do it. And I can't. And this girl that Dennis knew from work who had a car accident where a hand went through a windshield and it and she had a withered hand. Her hand didn't work right. She goes up for prayer, and Dennis knows her. Suddenly he's paying attention, like, you can't fake this. And the guy puts his hands around her hand. And he says some stuff, real quiet. And then he takes his hands away, and her hand opens. She's freaking out, and she's crying. And the dude turns around and looks at Dennis, and he points at him. <laughs> as if to say... You thought all this was crap. God did this for you. Now it's time for you to deal with reality, boy. And Dennis yells out, holy bleep, this bleep is real. Because <laughs> he ain't church broke. And that's how normal people talk when they ain't church broke. I can't say that. I want to say 
I can't read this story about the withered hand without thinking about Dennis's the girl who, who he knew from when he was a, when he was not a fry cook, just a, a, a cook. It's different when you know the person, isn't it? Like you could see that, but there's still something that happens in some of, in some of our minds. You know. God, for real, that is awesome. All right, here's the point. Where'd this happen? It's interesting, isn't it? And what do we say? I'm just repeating myself now. Hardest place to get miracles? Now, why do people say that? Did they get that from their Bible or did they get that from their experience? Experience? Yeah, and sometimes we let our experience talk louder than our Bible. And then we lower the level of our faith to the level of our experience. And then that starts to snowball. I also heard Donna De Silva say, the hardest people to get free are the people who know their Bibles well enough to justify why they're not getting well, emotionally. The longer we're emotionally unhealthy and know our Bible, the more we've found a way to take the Bible and and explain and justify why we're not emotionally healthy and free and happy and, and joyful and all the other stuff. And she's like, oh, it's so hard to deal. She's like, People who are like childlike, basically, not childish, childlike, teachable, open. They're so easy to, to, to bring into freedom. But people who are wise in their own understanding are very hard to get free. Luke chapter 4, Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there where? In the synagogue every Sabbath. Every Sabbath, Jesus was in a synagogue. And actually, it was more than just on the Sabbath because Jews didn't just go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. They went there pretty often. They would occasionally then go up to Jerusalem for the temple stuff with the sacrifices and the priesthood stuff. But the place where they actually did the Bible and praying was their little local synagogue. And that's apparently Jesus, it was his habit. It was his pattern to be with the people of God, opening the book of God, praying the prayers of God, And apparently, he really seemed to prioritize, let's get God's people whole. Let's get God's people whole. That's really my whole point of reading these passages. Jesus wants his people whole. Well, he was, but he wasn't part of any of their schools. No, that's what I'm saying. He actually had the outfit. He wore the the rabbi outfit. Like they fought over his clothes because he had the outfit of a rabbi. He considered himself a rabbi. The best one they ever saw. They thought he was weird. Good weird. Normal's bad sometimes. And it says, verse 32, There too the people were amazed at his teaching because he spoke with authority. They'd never seen this. All they'd seen is human theories and lots of footnotes. Dry, dusty sermons. They'd never seen it actually lived out. They'd never seen it lived out. It's like sermons on humility by people who were chock full of pride. Sermons on generosity by people who were actually greedy. Sermons on forgiveness by people who were chock full of bitterness. That's all they'd ever seen. And here comes someone who says, walk in the light. And he actually walked in the light. Love everybody. And he actually loved everybody. The kingdom's here. And he actually cast out demons. Wow, that proves the kingdom's here. Forgiveness of sin. Now I'm going to heal the sicknesses that are a result of sin. Okay, once again, verse 33. Once again, he's in a synagogue. A man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us? I love it. They're at church. They have an agenda. They're offended that the Lord's at church messing up their agenda. 
Think about that. Oh, that's, come on, does that bother you? And so I can hear somebody going, it wasn't church. church. This was pre-church. I know that. You, you know I know that. But it's their version of church. You know? Yeah, it's their version of it. So they're mad. Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus reprimanded them. Be quiet. I love how they render it, be quiet. It should be shut up. Like that should be, that's a better translation. Is shut up. Come out of him, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor. Notice, demons are always begging Jesus and he just gives commands to them. He doesn't ask. They beg. They beg him. The story with the garrison demoniac, the demons are begging him. The uh, townsfolk are begging him to leave. The pig owners are begging him to leave. Uh, Who else? The man is begging to go with him. Everybody in that story is begging Jesus. Different things. That is interesting. So the same thing. What authority? The people exclaim, what authority and power? Even evil spirits obey him and they flee at his command. And news about him spread throughout every village in the entire region. And it happened at? How cool would it be if the power and the wholeness and the authority and the fruit and the actually doing what we say, that what we claim is true is fruited in our life. What if, what if synagogue, in our case church, what if church was an epicenter of, of kingdom breakthrough, a place where wholeness is regularly happening so that the news about Jesus would spread throughout the land and people would know where to go to, to meet the real him? That's what's kind of in here, right here, is is let's shake off the dust of, of human experience that says the hardest place to get healed is church and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about if Jesus comes to church, that is no longer the truth. Yeah. And, if, and if he's in us and, and we're walking in intimacy with him, he's come to church, baby. Let's let him, let's let him out. Mm-hmm. He wants to have some fun. All right? He's not fretting and stressing, like I said. How, how, you know, Lord, how do you prepare for service? I'm just looking forward to how much fun we're about to have. Well, I'll bet you he's about having more fun than just talk. I mean, if you're a little kid and you come to church and all you ever hear is talk about Jesus, but you never see it happen. I remember being a little kid and this African guy came to our church and he talked about all these miracles. And I was like, what? Miracles? We ain't never seen miracles up in here. And then this guy took his woman in a wheelchair up there to let, her, to let him pray for her. And it didn't happen. And that got filed hardcore in my mind of, oh, see, that's what I thought. You want little kids to see miracles. You guys did a fantastic job with that, by the way. Like the fact that you, you were vulnerable enough to do it in front of the medical staff. Bold enough to do it. Like, I, I don't know how to say this the right way, but even though you didn't get the miracle, I really was proud of you. I felt like the Lord was proud of you. And don't, don't stop praying for people. Because sometimes that can, that can settle in a place of, I didn't see my own breakthrough and the thing that mattered to me most of my whole life. So, yeah. so. well, in general, you are bolder than me, Jonathan. Well, he was way bolder than me because he was... He Jonathan's way bolder than me in general. Luke 13 is my last passage. Oh, yeah, wait, wait. Here, here, was, here was my thought. I really want, I, I really think it's important for little kids to grow up and not just hear talk about God, but see answered prayers. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the reason we have, in our family time, we do petitions. There are requests. 
Because then, because they've actually seen, oh, God does, God honors our family's prayers. Hmm, interesting. You know, but we know what I really want is to get them praying, not just seeing that God, God honors mom and dad's prayers. This one's my favorite. I saved this one for last because it's my favorite of all these stories. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. All right, put that into your file folder. Medical issues, physical inabilities, crippled by an evil spirit. In my mind, physical illnesses are just physical illnesses. Mental afflictions are, are, are possibly demonic, but not even always demonic. And apparently Luke has a category for even physical infirmities being potentially caused by afflicting spirits. She had been bent over double for how long, guys? 18 years. How long do you think them 18 years she spent at synagogue? Probably 18 of them. We don't know that. It's me speculating. It's you guys speculating with me. But it's very likely that if she was at synagogue, bent over, they knew the healing stories from the Old Testament. They had probably prayed for her, correct? And I'm just telling you right now, many of us, if the elders of the church put oil on my head and prayed for me and I wasn't healed, then I really don't want to be the center of attention much longer than that. I'll learn to live with this. And most Christians nowadays even have this theology. Sometimes it's God's will to heal, but other times it's God's will to make me holy through my illness. You don't hear that preached in here. Even though God can make you holy through your illness, He can. He can make you holy through all sorts of people sinning against you too. You know know what I mean? But my contention is that don't make it His will for people to sin against you just because He can make you holy through it. And He can make you holy through sickness, but that don't mean it's His will for you to stay sick either. So, she's bent over double for 18 years and she's in synagogue. And when Jesus sees her, first time he sees her, first time, first day, he calls her over and says, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. He didn't even pray for her, friends. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God, highlight, underline, circle. How she praised God. You think think that's the first day this woman ever praised God? I doubt it. I bet she was praising God bent over for 18 years. Notice he didn't even command any evil spirit to go or nothing. Woman, you're healed. Now check this out. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant. How can you be mad at a time like this? This woman is praising God with all her heart and you're furious with Jesus. 18 years? Indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day, he says, there's six days of the week for working. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. Each of you works on the Sabbath day when you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water, don't you? And this dear woman, second time he called her dear, and he doesn't mean it as a throwaway phrase. He really loves her and sees that she's beloved. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham. You get it? She's a woman in covenant. 
This was an injustice against her divine right. And y'all have been tolerating it for all these years. And you're mad that I healed it because you didn't like the day? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan. She's a daughter of Abraham, right? Get, it, get a theology where you can have this working at the same time, because Jesus certainly did. Daughter of Abraham. Does that mean she's covered by the blood? Say yes with me. And bound by Satan at the same time. Because there wasn't someone there walking in the fullness of what was really available to deliver her into the fullness of what she already was owed. Not by what she earned, but by the covenant. This is why I, I say this very, very often. I prayed for a guy in the hospital and he, and he died. All right? A stranger, a total stranger. Some family said, because they saw me praying for somebody else, and they said, can you come in here and pray for him? And I went and I offered him Jesus, and he, sh- he shook his head no, and I prayed for him some more, and he basically said, re- refused to receive Jesus. I said, the Lord Jesus sent me. He loves you. Will you have him? I didn't make it complicated. He loves you. Will you have him? Will you receive him? No, no. Dude is dying. Probably less than two hours from dying. He's swollen up. His skin color's wrong. I was shocked when I touched him because it felt right. He felt like a human. He didn't look like he should feel right. Do you know what I mean? His skin temperature was normal. His color, his stomach was distended. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I was, and first I offered him Jesus. No, 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 no. Well, he couldn't stop me from praying for healing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's so, in so much pain and he's clearly dying and he's basically saying no, 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 no. But I still stayed there and I prayed for a little while for healing. Am I allowed to? Sure. For extension of his life? And while I was praying for him, I fully, I, like, I actually was imagining the swelling to go down and his color to return to normal. That's what I was, I could almost taste it. You know what I mean? Like I could feel any second the color, his color is going to, because his organs were shutting down from, probably from years and years and years of alcoholism and is just shutting down. So what that he deserved it? Just because he deserved it, just because he walked in it, just because he's getting the consequences for his, for his years and years of choices doesn't mean that Jesus is, likes it or that I have to like it. Right. And even though he's like, no, doesn't consider himself worth, worthy of life for whatever reason, has a bone, to, bone against Jesus for whatever reason, that doesn't change how God feels about him, right? So I'm praying for healing, even though I've already offered him Jesus, and he said no, and he didn't get healed. And I walked out of that hospital room, and it did something to me. Got in me and started to mess with me. You know what I concluded, guys? I concluded that if Jesus walked into that, that room, that man's getting healed. Because he has a right to say no to Jesus for his spirit, but I'm pretty sure Jesus can heal who he wants. Now, those are my convictions. And I feel like that a lot of the time. There's Christians I prayed for that went to heaven, died of cancer, that I feel very confident that if Jesus himself had laid his hands on them, they'd have been healed. Now, I don't go, oh, my word, I'm so sorry, Lord. I've never apologized to the Lord for that kind of stuff. Because I don't feel guilty or ashamed or any of that. I just, I just go, huh, there's a lot more to grow into. So what I think a lot of us do is we come out of that hospital room and then we change our theology to 
I guess God wasn't in the mood to heal him because I did everything I should have, period, the end. We congratulate our, we, we justify our faith and change our theology to match our level of fruit. We go, well, I know I didn't do nothing wrong. That's helpful. But I, but I think that's what a lot of us do. Like, so, so, so let's say you have a church in your region and they've never seen a single miracle. And then some evangelist comes to a church down the street and they have special meetings and all these people get healed. And then our people are tempted to go over there because, whoa, something exciting's happening. And these preachers get together and they insult what's going on over there. And they say, well, that's actually demons. Why are they tempted to condemn what's going on over there? To justify us. I don't have that power in my life. And I refuse, I refuse to open my idea, myself to the idea that there's more I could grow in. Or that there's stuff that I don't know about. Or there's stuff that this congregation could grow in. It's available, but we don't know how yet. And instead of getting humble and hungry and getting an upgrade, we get insecure, resentful, judgmental. And we have to justify ourselves, we have to condemn and disqualify them. It's why they killed Jesus. Because they knew they didn't have the power, the fruit, the intimacy with the Father that he had. I found this on the web. Did you? It's very exciting. She's telling me all about the Garden of Gethsemane. That's helpful. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't go into condemnation or shame or like, what's wrong with me? It, but it did something to me. And what it did was it made me say, I want more. I want to see more. I want, I want a higher percentage of answered prayer. I want more clarity on what I'm called to do in that situation. I want more awareness of how you operate. I want to, I want to become more familiar with how to cooperate with you, Holy Spirit, in situations like that. So... This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released, even if it is on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Okay, all these passages, this is the word of the Lord. Jesus wants his his people whole. He wants our gathering to be a a place in which the, the word is allowed to bear fruit and We're not actors who put on gentleness in public, but then in private aren't gentle. He wants wholeness for his people. So let's let's ask him for that. Go ahead and stand. God, we right now, in Jesus' name, we shake off the dust of expectations, low expectations for what church has to look like. When you show up to church, it's totally exciting. When you show up to church, Jesus, stuff comes off of people that could have come off before. So we say, Holy Spirit, come in a fresh way. Inhabit your people. God, we ask that you would, I guess I'm continuing the Sunday's activation prayer. I ask God that you, would, that you would shake us up, that demons that come to church would get spooked and show so they can go. They would come out to get out. That sicknesses that we're carrying around, that... that that you would give us faith, faith for healing, that you would give us faith for covenant, that you would give us faith for intimacy, that you would increase our faith, God, because your word says all sorts of stuff, and then when we have faith in it, your grace comes to make it real in our life. And so we say, we, we're, we're open here. We, we're open. In our personal lives, we're open. We're open. We're open. We're open. Every one of us that comes here, God, We know we're not the Savior. We know we're not the focus. We know we're not the point. 
but we know you are and we know you are in us. And, and we know you've commissioned us and said, do what I've been doing. Heal the sick. Set the oppressed at liberty. Proclaim. 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 We're all the proclaimers. So I ask God that, that, we, would, that we would not limit church, quote unquote, or kingdom to this space in these times, but that we would live the 24-7 kingdom lifestyle And that when we come here, we would come here knowing that this is the gathering of the saints that brought the presence, that brought the anointing, and brought the intercessions, and brought the petitions. And that we're going to see change because we got together with your people. We prayed together. We brought things before the Father, and the Father said, yup. And you took notice, and you wrote it down in your book, and you took action on earth because because we asked. I'm thinking of the time when those little... A group of Christians had a, had a worship session back in the 60s. And at the end, a prophetic word came. It said, the Lord is pleased with your worship. And he says that he's going to send a wave of revival across the United States, starting in California, and then headed through the, mid, the Midland states, and then ending up on the East Coast. And those people became the church planters of the 80s. The mega churches of the 80s were those crazy Jesus hippies from the 60s who gathered together And they sang, and the Lord was pleased with their heart and their prayer and said, I'm answering that with a yes. And it shaped the course of decades because of one one song prayer session. And God said yes and planted churches with thousands and thousands of disciples. So Holy Spirit, that's what we're asking, that we we would not approach synagogue, so to speak, as, oh yeah, well, that's the place where we do some talking, but that there would be power and authority and presence and wholeness and covenant taking fruit and shape. So I speak wholeness. You want your people whole. Spirit, soul, body. I pray for a revival of emotional health, physical health, relational health, a revival of health. Maybe a reformation's a better word. Because revival implies we used to have it and we lost it, and I'm not sure we did. So a a, a reformation where we actually think and live differently than we ever have before among your people. Raise us up, God, to wholeness. And God, where we have a withered hand or we have being bent over or where we have emotional oppression or mental affliction, make us brave enough to stretch it forth in, in front of your people and get the help we need. I pray, God, for such an environment of grace where this is a safe place for people who need help, where we don't have to pretend in order to be accepted. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen? Make sure you pray for people.